From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is a bonus episode of our weekly segment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. We typically air Green Tagged every Monday, and Green Tagged is our weekly commentary show where we break down the news and discuss why it matters to your haunt. Of course, we're still airing Green Tagged episodes, but since our Hauntathon is currently happening, this is going to be treated as a bonus episode. Check your feed for today's regular Hauntathon episode. Anyway, here is Scott Swenson and I with this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip. I'm joined by my co-host Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Career Development. We're recording this a tiny bit early because we both have stuff happening on the weekend. So if there is a big piece of news that comes out over the weekend, just know that we're not ignoring it. We just haven't heard it yet. So it's like time travel. But anyway, I I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about D23 because it happened this last weekend. And D23, for those who don't know, it's a big Disney fan convention. Disney, um, a while back, decided that they should just do their own convention <laughs> where they just bring all of their guests and all of their announcements to. So kind of like a giant fan celebration that also acts as a, a press event and they would charge people to go to it and it would be a long lines. And so anyway, uh, apparently the logistics have gotten better, so that's good. But there's always a, a panel on the parks and that's what we wanted to focus on because I think that's the, the biggest overlap for our listeners is the park announcements. And I don't want to, as usual, we don't want to spend too much time really, like we're not going to report every single thing that they talked, that you know Josh talked about in the parks panel or Bob talked about. We want to hit the highlights that we think are important. And um, there's a few highlights. We'll go through them like one at a, like kind of take one at a time. But um, first I want to kind of get Scott's take on, I guess the reaction, because one of the big takeaways from the panel is that uh, Bob, of course, was booed like multiple times. And people kind of would shout out, they would say something and people would shout out not nice things when he was talking. Um, so that must have been awkward, you know, for him. And I'm just not sure. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how, how we, like how we feel about that as a discourse at an event like this. I mean, like, you know, what, I don't know. It's the world we live in. Yeah. I mean, it's to the point now where, you know, anybody who feels like they disagree feels like they can shout out, be rude, be discourteous. Um, and that all of a sudden somehow makes them right or at least gives them their 15 seconds of fame. You know, the uh, <clears throat> the idea here, um, and 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 I am of two minds on this. First of all, again, I I will I will play the age card yet again. Um, the sense of decorum, the sense of decorum in in this country and in this world is is just going down the tubes. And I've never been one that really sits on well, we must be prim and proper. Um, we must be all put to, always put together at all times. At the same time, being rude in a public setting, to me, just shows how stupid the loudmouth is. Mm. So it shows it shows nothing about power or strength. It shows nothing about their real opinion. In fact, I think it undermines their opinion because it shows that they are not smart enough to actually formulate it into um, a way that can actually do something. But again, being old... Uh, the flip side of that is because we live in this world, because, you know, I can't I can't continue to live in a world that no longer exists um, because we live in this world. I, I think that it's quite possible that 
uh, based, and I, and we'll get into this, I think, in a, in a bit more detail throughout the course of this show, but I think D23 has also become a way to test market mm. without going through all huge test market process. I agree. Um, because there are a bunch of things in the in the little bits that little bits and pieces that I read, um, there were a bunch of things where they said, this isn't really even concept art. This is just we're saying something could possibly maybe be under consideration to possibly de be developed and and they're just kind of seeing what people say about it. Yeah. Um, you know, the 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 biggest one is is there going is there going to be a whole new a whole new Magic Kingdom land devoted to Disney villains or isn't there? And, you know, the truth of the matter is, who knows? But by planting that seed, they have saved uh, a ton of money in R&D. Basically, yeah. what they've done is they've got pe gotten people to pay to come and listen to this stuff. And by hearing their feedback, now, I'm not sure that they really wanted the feedback in the form of being booed or in the form of yelling out, but they're certainly getting it. And, and I may be wrong. They may, that may be exactly what they want. They want to hear that visceral. They want to hear those, that standing ovation when anytime they say Moana and everybody is up on their feet, or they want to hear the people, um, shouting and yelling and booing so that they know what the, the, the temperature is of their rabid fans. And let's face it, Disney fans are crazy. I yeah. mean, they are so, so dedicated to the brand that, you know, slight, slightly off topic, the whole controversy, and I and I think it's it's not a controversy. The whole ridiculousness about um, the new live action, uh, the new live action Ariel, uh, live action uh, Little Mermaid, it just shows you how people are just incensed because someone is messing up their childhood. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, uh, no, <laughs> Disney does not own your world. They do not control your world. Um, however, from Damn. a theme park standpoint, it's good that they do because yeah. that's how they that's how they continue to make their money. So, again, I, I I'm frustrated, and you, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, but that's also because I'm tired. Um, I'm frustrated by the fact that this is the way it's happening. But I totally accept and understand that this is the way things are happening everywhere. This is the world that we live in. So, um, is Disney? I guess my question back is. Is Disney using this forum to take that kind of audience temperature to see what does spark an extremely positive or an extremely negative response? Because let's face it, we never hear about the meh responses. Yeah, you know, we only hear about the the super cheers and the super jeers. So yeah, I don't know. I don't Is know. Is that part of what they're doing? That's an excellent thought to go because you know I. I I think initially I am kind of on the the side of you know, that's not appropriate behavior, you know you shouldn't do that. That's that's rude. And also, but at the at at the flip side of it, it's like what you know what is the best way for fans to give their feedback on the on the the parks? Like, I mean, there's the guest surveys that they send you. You know, once you go through their social media, you know that's long become. I mean, now probably it's old hat, but that has been you know previously the way people would go and just kind of vent on there. But I guess, you know, if you are going to make your own event specifically for talking about stuff and making announcements, you're kind of like inviting it in that way. Like you're, you're putting everybody into a room and you're like, hey, let's talk about this stuff. And obviously the people that are going to pay to go are going to be the ones that are kind of prone to that, you know, very emotional 
reaction because they're they're literally paying to sit and watch a press release that they could have like watched you know like like you said previously previously you'd have to pay you know focus groups to sit and watch this stuff and now mm-hmm. they're paying to do it so it's it's so I think it been you know it might be because you know they're they're not shareholders or you know it, shareholders can voice their but like nobody listens I mean you know you're only listening to the the ones that are have the most stock so I don't know it's it's an it's interesting for sure, but it just I think it I just want to bring it up as a you know a reminder of that kind of thing because we we see we see knots we see Universal we see a few other parks trying that model of trying to bring fans in and have that experience where they're talking about it or whatnot um, in different capacities. Um, I think you know knots has a kind of like a document you have to sign they have like a whole application you know thing to make sure you're not gonna say anything bad almost like a anti-defamation thing which mm-hmm. is interesting because in this case disney doesn't do that i mean again it's, it's supposed to be a convention but i mean in that regard of like you know people can just say whatever they i mean they're not there under any media or any sort of uh anti-defamatory condition like they can just say what they want and clearly they were you know not happy with some of those things so well, and it's also it's also because Disney is Disney's a very rare company in the fact that they actually have multi-generational milestones. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are people around the world who who uh, set uh, set moments in their lives and their children's lives and their grandchildren's lives and now perhaps their great-grandchildren's lives of the first time they went to Disneyland, the first time they saw Pinocchio, the fact that Pinocchio and the the Disney classics come back, they go into the vaults, they go away, so they can be, quote-unquote, reintroduced to a whole new audience. I mean, there are very, very few companies in the world right now who have that sort of multi-generational, and not just, I won't even say appeal, because it's more than appeal. It is... They, they are actually using Disney-branded products as ways to mark milestones in their family history. Yeah. So I think that's why they get so viscerally emotionally involved. I agree with you. Um, the other thing, just to finish off that discussion, Scott brought it up, but the other big part, about two-thirds of the way through the Parks panel, they just started, like, just talking about ideas. Like, literally, they're like, oh, we have these ideas, blah, 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 whatever. Of course, the biggest one that we heard of, of course, was the villains land area. But again, I don't. We don't really want to talk about that because it's not officially announced. We just—it's not news. Yeah, it's not it's news. Not news. It, it's 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 staged hearsay, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Yeah, it's it goes to it goes to the point of uh, well, we could do this, and and that's what made me. That's it was it was that kind of conversation that made me actually kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit and think about. Is this what they're doing? Yeah. Because if, you know, if people, and and then at the same time, there's a wonderful psychological thing here that if for some reason, the thing that the people shouted out that they didn't like goes away or gets mm-hmm. altered because of what they say, then they all of a sudden have a sense of ownership. Yeah. They were yeah. like, I had a hand in the development of that. Yeah. Yeah. If, so, if it works again, I, I always say this thing, if it works, it's brilliant. Right. Like it's one of those things where like, oh, if it works where we can turn all of product R&D on its head where people pay us to R&D products that they pay for and it will make them more invested in it. So they'll spend even more 
oh man, and it's like, oh yeah, that would be ridiculous if you could do it. So, uh, so I think for for our listeners, that that kind of more is the takeaway of these two pieces of like the beam boot and also the speculation is like this is all ways of engaging super fans, you know, of experimenting with ways to engage your fans, you know, even at not Disney, but there's a bunch of ways to do this type of concept. Well, and and the easiest way and the most cost-effective way is, you know, hang, hang out in your attractions as guests are leaving. What they're talking about positively, they liked. What they talked about negatively, they hated. And if you want to drill it down, hang out at the exit of each of your attractions or each of your shows or each of yeah. your haunted attractions or each of your Christmas events. Listen. Listen to the guests. Um, you don't have to set up a D23 Expo for them to pay money to come to your park because let's face it, none of us could do it. Disney's the only one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know other places have tried, but right now Disney's the only one. So uh, just, just listen. Just yeah. listen. Have discussions with your guests. It's It's not quite as as buttoned up as some quote unquote research, but Philip and I had a very long discussion before we started recording about how powerful is data and how how flawed is data and yeah. data collection. So sometimes just sitting there and listening to your guests and paying attention to what they like and what they don't like, sometimes that will help guide you as much as any sort of, of quantitative data. Yeah. I have a point on that and that is um, there. Uh, there's, <laughs> There's a whole field. This is a career of, you know, how to ask good questions on your survey data. Obviously, it's a career. Um, there's a great book called Ask out there about it, which I think you could just skip a lot of that learning and just get the book. And there's a template in there. It's really good. But the the quick tip is that you can't, you really, people are terrible at predicting future. So you want to ask them what they didn't like, what they remember. And you want to ask them if they didn't come last year, why not? Like, Oh, have you come here every year? Oh, no, you skipped last year. Why didn't you come last year? That's what you want to ask them. And also another shout out. I went to the opening night of Fear Factory, and they have a dedicated survey shift that stands at the at the exit and surveys all the groups that come out and has a little, like, really simple data collection is in, like, little check boxes. So simple and effective. And they actually use that when they're giving out their nightly awards as to the zone that was kind of like most mentioned, they do a nightly award for that where they give candy bars and whatnot. And I was like, this, this, anybody can do it. It's easy. It's data. Cause there's always, Scott, I talked about this too. There's always that fine line between data that's too complicated to be useful and useful data. Mm -hmm. And it's, they're using it actively. They're using it every night. It's worked into their incentive program. I was like, oh my God, Spencer, I am geeking out over this. I actually spent like half an hour just standing there, like watching this thing. I was like, I love this. An exit survey 15 times. It was amazing. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm uh, it was great. Um, so anyway, yeah, if, if, if Disney, if that's, if this is Disney's version of that effectively, but on like a grander scale, then great. I think that's yeah, anyway. So moving on to the actual news that was kind of announced. Um, First is that Pacific Wharf in Disney California Adventure Park is going to be reimagined into San Francisco from Big Hero 6. So Pacific Wharf, it's the, right now it's the San Francisco waterfront area. They're going to change it over into San Francisco where East meets West and technology meets tradition. Imagineers are in the early phases of this work. You can see glimpses of what's to come for children of all ages, young and old. There will be a place to meet Baymax. That's basically the only thing we know. <laughs> There's going to be a place to meet Baymax plus new spots to eat and shop. 
And I, I mean, for me personally, I love Big Hero 6 and I, I loved it, so I'm excited. But the larger trend takeaway for me here is just what we've talked about previously, which is they're taking older areas and they're realigning them with IP that they're trying to push or that is popular, period. That's what this is. Yeah, it's, it's a move away from, from an older Disney mentality, and that was we want to create senses of uh, moments of reality that yeah. aren't necessarily tied to IP, yeah. and they've kind of thrown that concept out the window. And we're seeing it over and over again in a lot of these announcements. Um, Epcot, for example, Epcot is no longer what Epcot was set out yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, it, has, it, has, it has changed. It has um, aligned with IP and has gone back to really – the the original um, Fantasyland model mm-hmm. at Disneyland mm-hmm. is a giant walkthrough commercial for the movies. So this is this is another way to and and I'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing. What I'm saying is it is another way to experience the intellectual properties that they already own, so that they can reinforce the power and the strength of them, yeah. whether it is on streaming or on. Uh, merchandise or in gaming or in it's just another way to do multi-layers and get the most communication points out of an intellectual property yeah exactly again it's it's not a, a negative point i mean if, if anything i think it it aligns a lot with what scott and i talk about which is that like you mm-hmm. want to lean into your assets and you want to extend the characters and and that's that's it and it's again it's just an adjustment of the model um it's going to take a while um speaking of also one of the other things that was mentioned that's actually unclear as to whether it is speculation or not, because it was right at like the edge of the, and people are like, is, a, um, is the Dino Land over in Animal Kingdom potentially becoming Zootopia, which is just, uh, again, another extension of like this concept of like, oh, it's, it's, it's just, they're just moving everything over into being IP, which makes sense because clearly they've done the research, they've talked to the fans, and clearly what people want is to, walk into the their favorite moments from the the IPs. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's actually, you know, what they do best. So they're they're leaning into their assets and it's, it just reinforces the whole cycle. So. Mm-hmm. Um okay. So the next big thing was there are details announced for the Disney 100 celebration at Disneyland Resort. It's going to kick off in late January 2023. And uh, let there's let's see New platinum-infused decor, so I guess the, the decor theme is going to be platinum with sparkling stuff for Mickey and Minnie, and of course special food and beverage, blah, blah, blah. Um, they announced that there's going to be three big show components, or they announced three show components so far. There may be additional, but the ones they announced were they announced their two nighttime shows and then their parade. So they're doing a special world of color, and then they're also doing uh, wondrous journeys at Disneyland Park, and wondrous journeys is going to be, I'll just read here, Walt's original Magic Kingdom will become a magnificent canvas with wondrous journeys, a new nighttime spectacular that will ignite the wonder in all of us. It will feature nods to all 60 Walt Disney Animation Studios films to date, taking us on a journey filled with artistry, music, storytelling, and heart. It will continue to build upon the park's state-of-the-art projection effects, turning Main Street, Sleeping Beauty Castle, the facade of It's a Small World, and Rivers of America into an artist canvas and that brings characters to life all around you as fireworks dance in the sky. So they also have a new song for that. And then they announced that the Magic Happens Parade will debut at Disneyland Park as well as part of that. Uh, So 
again, kind of my thoughts on that, uh, <laughs> on, on that part is it kind of, it does feel like they are learning because if we remember, we just a few weeks ago, we talked about how they were like for the magic kingdom celebration, which is this year, they are like retconning in Walt Disney, you know, and putting that kind of in like, they're like, Oh, we know it's halfway through our celebration, but we're, we're changing the fireworks a little bit, you know? And I think this is perfect because you know, Disneyland is a center. Obviously, the fans are crazy. We just talked about that. And so the the concept of telling, having a narrative for the, the fireworks show that also plays out in projection that takes you through a chronicle, I think that that's a good move. And clearly, they have learned from the recent kind of thing, a little mismatch there, where if it's a birthday for, if it's a big birthday, you want to celebrate the thing itself. You know, you don't just want to, in this case... You want to have the wider narrative instead of just like making it all about like an IP. And I'm going to take another half step back, a little further step back. And that is one of the things that Disney has always been great at is and and whether they have succeeded every single time in the content or not. But one of the things that they've always been great at is identifying here are the elements that we are going to plug in and then they will change the concept or the content rather. Um, you know, I, I used to say Disney Disney will find a reason to celebrate every single year that the parks are open. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to make a running joke. It's like, and next year, Donald Duck gets pants. You know, it's it's a whole, they, they can find something, they can invent something, they can create something in their rich history or discover something in their rich history that um, is, is worthy of quote-unquote celebration. And what they're doing here is... You know, I'm going to be a little bit cynical, but I think it's a smart business move. Is they're doing a projection and fireworks show. Yep. They're doing a parade and they're doing a special world of color. So they're taking advantage of all of the hard assets that they already have, that they've already used for many, many years, and changing out the content. Now, we all know that changing content on projection mapping is not a cheap yeah, It's not free. Uh, yeah. It's not yeah. a cheap thing to do. But it is something that they have had success with. It's something they know works and it's something they know how to do. So what they're doing is, and and this is really, I think the takeaway for our listeners is build your infrastructure, figure out where you're going to do your festivals and what you want to include in your festivals. And then instead of trying to reinvent the wheel every, every quarter, I mean, Disney does it every five years or two years or whatever, but instead of trying to reinvent the wheel every quarter, utilize those same assets in a new and different way with different content and different packaging. Because like I said, Disney's a master of it. They've done yeah. it for many, many years. And, you know, I was, I was just looking, I was looking at my bookshelf and I found my, my, uh, my magic kingdom, my 25th magic kingdom castle, uh, maquette when they made it like a birthday cake, mm-hmm. they sprayed it paint. Everybody got really angry with it and absolutely hated it. And you couldn't find representations of it anywhere in the park because they were all sold out. So I just found that once they discovered, oh, we can do cool stuff with the castle. And then shortly after that, a couple of years after that, they started to do projection mapping on the castle. And once they discovered that, then they thought, oh, well, okay, we've got all this technology. We know how to use it. Let's change the content. And it makes it a whole quote unquote new show. Yeah. So learn from that because it's really beneficial. I I love that point, especially to highlight that like, I think Disneyland is one of the most extreme examples out there, but, you know, it started off as just the classic fireworks show, right? And now, mm-hmm. look, it's so much different because it's not just the castle as it is in some of the other places, but now it's like the small world and it's also Rivers of America. I mean, they're adding, 
stuff all around the park to synchronize to that. And I, and again, that's, that is smart. It's using your assets. So it's not just thinking about what, what is your iconic thing. It's also thinking about where are other projection surfaces that could work, that could tie together. So that's, it's very, and yeah. If you think about it, and if you think about it, when the time comes to celebrate, um, it's a small world again, you've already got the infrastructure there. You've yeah. already got it plugged in. So ta-da, that becomes the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, we can, switch gears a little bit. Another announcement that came out was that Harmonious in Epcot is going away. It's going to be replaced with a new nighttime spectacular in 2023, which is a little bit unusual because, you know, let's just say with, with Disney World, when they usually put like a one of those shows, you know, an anchor show in place, it's, it you know, usually stays there for like a decade. I mean, it, it is like usually a long thing. But again, I think this is the feedback on it was very negative. <laughs> just like the, just like the, the birthday cake thing, you know, it was a pretty negative. So it seems like they're retooling that. At, I mean, again, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to, I mean, we don't have the details yet, but we're assuming we're making an educated guess that they are going to use the same assets again that they have. And they're just going to re redo the show, which is not going to be cheap. I mean, they're going to have to pay uh, you know, one of the firms that we know that's going to charge a lot of money, you know, to to make a whole new show because it's not cheap. So it's definitely not cheap, but it's not like they're ripping out infrastructure and replacing it. They're reskidding and there's no reason, there's no other details, but we're, so we're making the assumption because they didn't give a reason. We're just making the assumption that it's because the show has been received so poorly. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I, I think you're right. I think they are they are paying attention to receive so poorly. However, I think there's another I think there's another litmus test that they're probably doing, and that is going back to some really basic data. How late are guests staying in the park? Mm -hmm. um, because the longer guest stays in the park, the more likely they are to uh, generate revenue, whether that is through culinary or through merchandise. So going back to the going back to the pink castle example, they didn't change it, even though guests absolutely were up in arms about it because, they were selling it. Mm -hmm. It was, and people were actually coming to the park just to see the hideous pink castle. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, my guess is that this was something that it did not get the best reviews. And then they decided, wait a minute, it's eating into our pocket. Because yeah. if it was getting, they're not getting the best reviews, but people were still coming to see it. That's one thing. But when it starts eating into the profit margin and the, and the, the length of stay, that's when you have to start going, okay, we're losing X amount on length of stay. In three months, we're going to uh, lose the amount it's going to cost us to redo the show. So let's yeah. redo the show. Yeah. Yeah. As in like the guest is not wanting to stay to watch it. So it's not extending that right. window like it's supposed to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's the whole purpose of an end of night show anyway, is to just extend stay. Yes. Yeah. Extend or stay. Yeah. And or also. Or to get a second date. Yes. I was going to say extend stay, but then also transportation as well to kind of spread out the mm -hmm. exiting process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, while, while we're on that, just another point too. we talked about it briefly, but yeah, Universal Orlando, again, same concept, you know, they just installed their big, um, their big lagoon area. And now we hear that all the time, right? New lagoon show XYZ. The Halloween one this year was designed by Thinkwell. And it was the new, and, and I was surprised also by that. I was surprised that that they would even make a new Halloween show for the Lagoon 
Because, you know, normally it's like, oh, let's dust off, you know, like, look at the Buddha you parade. How long has that been going on? <laughs> like, kind of a thing. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised at that same concept there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, that about wraps up our D23. Takeaways, uh, again, that was not an exhaustive list. That was really just what was what we thought was important about the parks section of, of that uh, as overlapping. Um, there's a, there's one bit of old news we can touch on here at the end, which we didn't get to cover when it came out. So this is a little five bit Five weeks? Old. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. But basically, Universal p- filed a patent for an interactive Pepper's Ghost technology. And, you know, it's always interesting when they file these patents. You don't exactly know where it's going to go. But I thought what was most interesting about this is actually the quote from the patent as to why I thought it was important. I think that is huge. So I'll read from the, the patent here. While, we, while well-established effects such as traditional Pepper's Ghost effect are effective illusions, it is now recognized that these traditional effects lack meaningful audience interaction. For example, the audience generally have no control over various aspects of a show built around such effects, and in such traditional systems, they're passive. In today's environment, in which guests are accustomed to more interaction, such passive in- interaction can cause a loss of interest. And I was like, man, if you needed any, like, a clear explanation of entertainment and parks and all, I mean, that is, like, I was like, this is A+. plus. Whoever wrote this, like, on this grade, this paper, A+. plus. <laughs> well, and what I, what I think is interesting is they're taking a technology that is is very old, very tried and true. Um, you know, it's the, 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 grand, the grand magicians, grand stage magicians pre-vaudeville mm-hmm. um, were utilizing Pepper's Ghosts to, to create... Um, to create translucent and transparent illusions on stage for years. I mean, this is this is nice because this is one of the things that's even older than I am. So that's cool. Um, but the 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 fact that they're talking about how to make it um, engaging and interactive, um, I think that's something that again can be applied to so many existing technologies. You know, and sometimes you know sometimes it requires a great deal of thought, and sometimes it's there's it can be really simplistic. Yeah. So, you know, and, and doesn't have to be necessarily high tech. Engaging and interactive does not mean high tech. Yeah, that's uh, true. Like sometimes it means low tech. It means let's let's take some of this let's take some of this technology away because guests don't recognize how hard it is to make this happen from a technological standpoint when in reality you could do it much simpler with a much simpler form of technology or no technology at all. So um it's, but it's it's interesting that they're taking again a classic, a mm-hmm. classic illusion. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what a Pepper's Ghost illusion is, it's basically a <clears throat> uh, a light refraction reflection illusion that creates a uh, a moving uh, a moving ghostly apparition that can appear and disappear in a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. Does that sound fair? Without yeah. going into a whole yeah. lot, of yeah, that's basically right. it. It's not complicated. Yeah. Right. So to make that interactive, I think is going to be really cool. And it's been used, it's been used over and over again um, in a lot of different ways. It keeps getting brought back. Uh, there was uh, for, for years at Paramount Parks, there was a Star Trek exhibit that used it. Um, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways it's been incorporated. But, uh, but who knows? Universal's got something new up their sleeve. And let's see what that is. We'll find out shortly enough, I hope. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, again, we spent a lot of time talking about D23. And... Um, 
and a little bit of time talking about Universal. So uh, I again, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell your friends. Please come back and listen to us next week. Uh, until next week, on behalf of Philip and myself, Scott Swenson, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and we'll see you in seven. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com slash demo. That's gantam.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at HauntedAttractionNetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.